0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. And you are welcome. Your view is unhindered as you open your gaze tonight, and your ears are attentive to the voice of the Almighty. In our second message this morning, we came face to face with the truth that there is a potential King Saul in all of us. There was a potential King Saul in David, and how he ruled and reacted as he walked through life would determine whether he would operate like King Saul in the fallen nature, in the lower nature, in the flesh or whether the spiritual man who had been appointed to reign and rule in life would emerge and come through and he would govern and rule and reign as a man after God's own heart. So we're literally looking at lessons he learned, and the lessons he learned, he learned in the darkest possible days of his life. Very often when God is teaching us major, major things, we will find they can be the darkest days of our lives. And that can be confusing at times because when you listen to your TV screen, you may find from TV preachers that it's come to Jesus and life will be totally, absolutely perfect. But I don't find that God works in that way all the time. If I am real with God... If I'm walking with him and I am not treating the gospel as if it can be the A, B, C, D to fix absolutely everything, I will discover that God has a higher purpose and a greater purpose to discharge in my life. And very often, God will put us in a cave to be able to work his deep work in our lives. So scene five true character is revealed in the cave. The lights have dropped, the curtains are open and scene five is portrayed before you. And through the haze of the modern stage smoke, you see our king. Our king is still a king in waiting. He is lying on a hard floor in a cave. There's no comfort for him. He would have expected to have been in the castle by now, to have taken his rightful place in the palace, and yet we find our king laid on a stony floor in a dark crag. Oh, that hasn't happened for him. In fact, the opposite has happened for him. King Saul has chased him away like a dog and he finds himself isolated and alone. The song of the people has changed. They're no longer singing Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Instead, his reputation has been shattered. They now talk about the man who rebelled and who Saul had to banish and chase away. The children understand that once he was a great warrior and a giant slayer. But something has happened. And now the question is what will be. Oh, it wasn't real it was accusations it was lies it was deceptions because even though he found himself in a dark cave he was the man anointed of God hallelujah turn to your neighbor and say even when you're in a cave you can be anointed of God amen anointed of God And sometimes that's the very place where you will prove your faith and your trust in God but wait what is this we hear I hear the sound from within the cave and you can hear it too the voice is amazing right on pitch The natural reverb of the cave causes the vocals to open up and it's coming across the hills and the valleys. And right where you are observing, you can hear the sound. In fact, you may well not know it, but you hold in your hand the very words that King David is singing. Well, it might be on your iPad, your iPhone, or or, or, or the real Bible. I want to tell you where those words came from. They came from the Holy Ghost. And if you open your Bible to Psalm 57, you can read the song that he sang in the cave. How fascinating is that? Because here it is. And as we read through it, remember the situation that David is in. In a moment, Paul, after I've read the psalm, will bring up some things that I want to highlight. And we have to adopt the same spirit if we are going to live in victory. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Hallelujah. Would you like to pause a moment and tell your neighbor, sometimes... A little bit better this time. Sometimes you have to take shadow in the shelter of his wings until the disaster is past. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes, we do. We shelter under the care and the protection and the shadow of his wings until the disaster is past. I cry out to God, most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for my life. Hold on. You mean that the psalmist is singing, God is fulfilling the purpose for his life and he's lying on a hard cave floor. That doesn't sound like a good life to me. That doesn't sound like a cushy Christian life to me. That sounds like someone who has actually lost the purpose of God. Never mind in the will of God. But you see, I think the church needs to wake up to the fact that we cannot be soft believers any longer. The world in which we are living is changing. The spiritual climate, the environment in which we are living is changing. I tell you where I pastor, you would be very surprised to see just how many, many people, thousands of people walk past my church building every day Many, many women who only look out of a slit in a head guard. The nation is changing. The world is changing and God's purpose will come to pass and we may well find ourselves on a cave or in a cave in a dark situation and we need to know that just because we are experiencing those things does not mean that the purpose of God is not going to come through for us amen turn to your neighbor saying no matter what we face the purpose of God shall be done amen we could almost think God is not in control I want to tell you that God is in total control and he is right on target in right on time with his purpose and his plan hallelujah he knows exactly what he's doing just as he did for David amen I cry out to God most high to god to god who fulfills my the purpose for my life he sends from heaven and saves me rebuking those who hotly pursue me god sends his love and his faithfulness i'm in the midst of lions i lie among ravenous beasts men whose teeth are spears and arrows we've talked about that whose tongues are sharp swords be exalted O oh god above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth isn't it amazing that in one moment in a verse he's talking about arrows and spears and the next moment he's saying let your glory be over all the earth wow that's amazing they spread a net for my feet i was bowed down in distress they dug a pit for my path and they have fallen into it themselves hallelujah My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. He's speaking to his spirit now. He's speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his mind. He's speaking to his heart. He's on a hard cave, cave floor, but he's saying, Awake my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love. Reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth what a savior and coming up on the screen right now look at what he did he called for God's mercy he cried out for God to fulfill his purpose for his life He acknowledged his desperate circumstances. We don't need to deny the facts to live in faith. We can accept the facts and know that's what the situation really is. But we can believe God for change. Amen. He is real and honest with God. Do you know I love this? If we are real and honest with God, he will meet us right where we are. Amen. Next Paul. He exalts and praises God while in the cave. He's steadfast and stands strong in faith. He continues to praise and press into God. It keeps his heart and spirit lifted. Amen. He declares truth about God's love and faithfulness while in a dark place. He knows God will move on his behalf. Amen. Next. He has his eye on the heavens, on the eternal and the glory of God, rather than the present temporary circumstances. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your circumstances will pass. Experience that David had that brought him to the cave was uncomfortable many would have said why are you staying with Saul why did you stay with Saul in his service for so long surely you should have left why stay with a king who throws spears and who sees every potential young anointed leader as a threat but David left only at the right time. David left when his very life was threatened. And when he left, he left alone. He did not half, take half the people with him and set up a rival kingdom. He was waiting for God's timing to bring him to the throne as, as was prophesied. And he was unwilling to cause a split. Hallelujah. You say, why say that, pastor? Because there might be some pastors in here that need to hear it simple as that Oh, others around him would have said the way you've been treated you should leave the way that things are you should leave go on you you have got the anointing you've got the anointing go and do what you know you should do and god says wow hold on son it has to be my way in my time in the way i've purposed it to come. So the question is, how would David respond? Because if you put yourself there, you will have to keep yourself there. And another Saul will emerge and he will only be removed by being placed again in another cave because true godly character is revealed in the cave. The truth of it is the question would David kill or not kill would David put himself on the throne through self-power and self-appointment take matters into his own hands don't you think there is something in human nature that we feel we have to take matters into our own hands but thanks be to God David is a wise man Even though he's been ill-treated, he holds his ground. God gave me this paragraph as I was putting this message together. We cannot vindicate wrong actions in the present because of someone else's wrong treatment of us in the past. We must be beyond the possibility. You know, I talked to you about the fact that I believe I'd served under a soul this morning. I want to tell you something. If that man walked in this room right now, I'd put my arms around him. I'd love him. I'd kiss him on the neck and say, I love you, brother. Because only God knows what is truly in the spirit of a man. Our responsibility is to do right in all situations. And David was such a man. Oh, the natural opportunity presented itself to David. The possibility of establishing the flesh building up for self through a self appointment but if he did it would destroy God's perfect plan the curtain has lifted again and this time we're in a different cave others are in the cave nobody came with David But suddenly, a band of brothers has found David. Their lives were also under threat from Saul. And they sought David out as the anointed one. Vagabonds, as far as Saul is concerned. Only worthy of death, as far as Saul is concerned. And they are deep in the cave. Sorry to say the next line, but it's in the Bible. On one occasion, Saul and his armies are looking for David. And he enters the very cave where David is. He goes so far in to relieve himself. And the men around David see him. And they say to David, now is your chance. Take him out. Go on, take him out. The throne belongs to you. Take him out. Would David operate like that? If David had, he would have immediately become just like Saul. So instead, he stealthily creeps in forward and cuts a piece of cloth from his robe. Two times he had the opportunity of taking out Saul. The men have realized this man has changed through the experience of being in the cave his nature and character has changed the brashfulness and bombastic arrogance of youth has been removed he's a wise shepherd trained by god prepared for the throne the reaction The decisions that we make will determine whether we can truly reign in life. The men have noticed David in his nature isn't the man he used to be. He spent hours and time alone with God to the extent where he is a totally different man to what he was. The men see if they were determined to follow a macho leader who would portray himself as the victor, they don't know the heart of the shepherd. He doesn't need to impress anybody. He's confident in God. And they've seen that his heart has been fully surrendered. Submission. Surrender. He weeps a lot now. Imagine a king who weeps a lot. But the men are fascinated. And they'd lay down their life. In his service, he's become a leader, he's become a true shepherd, a king after God's heart. When I was 30 years old, I was in that church, it was my cave. A friend of mine visited from the States. He gave me a book. I've never met the author. The book radically changed my life. I read the story of King David and began to understand some levels about ruling and reigning with Jesus. Let me quote from this book, because it's said far better than I would say it. If you are young, and have never seen such things that I have been speaking of, You may be certain that sometime in the next 40 years, you will see highly gifted and very powerful men. Reputed leaders in the kingdom of God do some very dark and ugly things. Next. What does the world need? Gifted men outwardly empowered or broken men inwardly transformed? I think it's the second. If we are men and women seeking power we're running after the flesh if we are seeking Jesus and his ways and his spirit we are seeking to rule and reign with him keep in mind that some men and women who have been given the very power of God have raised armies defeated the enemy brought forth mighty works of God preached prophesied with unparalleled power and eloquence and yet They've thrown spears, have hated other men, have attacked other men, have plotted to kill other men, have prophesied by a wrong spirit, And so 2 Samuel Samuel 3 verse 1 tells us that the war between the house of Saul and David lasted a long time. The house of David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. He must increase and I must decrease. It's an image, a spiritual portrayal of how God works in each one of us where Christ is increasing and the flesh is being told to lie down submit surrender and die now don't point the finger and start thinking in your mind oh i know that person that person that leader that one i know i know pastor i could tell you over i've met a few souls in my time because i know that's how the natural mind thinks but i want to tell you i'm not addressing them i'm addressing you i'm addressing me as we come into the presence of God. So we're not here to point the finger or accuse, otherwise we're operating in the very same spirit of Saul. And so here we are. And I'm telling you, there is a potential Saul inside you. And just like David, whether we move in that spirit, will be determined by our reactions, our responses, and how we move through life. Oh, for the church to be like Jesus. Oh, for me to be like Jesus. Oh, for you to be like Jesus. The way that we have lived and operated in church life in many, many ways has been wrong. And we need God to come in the center of the family once again and cause there to be an awakening in the realm of the Spirit. We've been so taken up with our programs and our plans and putting ourselves in certain positions that we need deliverance and freedom from these things that we might be a true expression of the kingdom of God. We need a man on the throne. His name is Jesus. My prayer and my cry before I leave you this evening is that you personally will ask Jesus to come on the throne of your life. You say, Pastor, I've already done that 40 years ago. Hmm. Aha. Uh-huh. You prayed the prayer, did you? Don't worry then, you're in. You're in. That's okay. Is that what you think? I'm not really bothered about whether you prayed the prayer 40 years ago. I'm asking Jesus, will you pray the prayer tonight? Are you walking in truth? Are you walking in the light? Are you living God's way? Are you really hungry in pursuing him? Is there a personal revival going on in your heart? Is the flesh man still in control? What about that temper? What about that reaction? What about your habits? How about how you treat your wife? How you treat your husband? How you operate in the workplace? How about if you're a joiner and you're still stealing nails? Saul. So, Oh God, bring truth in our inner being. Saul's end was not good. There was a battle raging, and suddenly was surrounded by all the enemy. And so he took his own life. Once he walked with God but he took his own life. I probably told you the story of a man who lived opposite the church that I pioneered in Bristol. Married to a beautiful lady. He was resisting God, resisting God, resisting God, but God was on his case. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's on your case, whether you like it or not. (laughs) But this isn't a good story. I'm going to be a bit careful about what I say, because we have children in the house. He wanted life to end. And so he tried on a banister his wife rang me said pastor would you go and see him he's in intensive care It's only a machine keeping him there I rang my friend Jim Dick who Dave and I know well I said pastor Jim would you come with me when we arrived there they said we can't go in you, you just cannot go in. I flashed my ELIM credential, made no difference. <laughs> if I'd have had yours, Dave, I'd have access straight away, you know. <laughs> it was the intensity of the situation. The family were so distraught. I said, I said to this head nurse, Give me five minutes, five minutes. That's all I'm asking. She says, you have five minutes. We went to his bedside. We laid hands on him and we left. That was about 12 o'clock, lunchtime. At five o'clock, I had a phone call from his wife. He's sitting up in bed eating. Mm -hmm. The story doesn't end good. He did it again and it was his end. The enemy is committed to taking people out, he's a destroyer, he's a deceiver. We need to get serious about what it means to walk with God because just like David we're in a battle it's a clash of the kingdoms when we wake up and realize that by the way he is persuading you to live and to operate you are playing right into his hands I was talking to somebody this morning you know what is evil and what is of the enemy in the world is presented as good even vocabulary has changed I mean if I said to you that's wicked what do you think of? You think that's good. But it's not. It's evil. And so, how subtle the enemy is working in the hearts and minds of men and women. And David was a man after God's heart. And the house of Saul grew weaker, and the house of David. Grew stronger. The house of God grew stronger. Are you hearing that? The house of God grew stronger. And we are going to come into a season where the house of Saul will grow weaker and the house of God will grow stronger. Hallelujah. Say it with me. The house of Saul will grow weaker and the house of God will grow stronger. Hallelujah. we reach the final scene some of you are saying thank goodness for that scene six a conspiracy and the cry of a father the curtain raises and you behold a scene that takes your breath away you observe the king His demeanor has changed. He's not a king in waiting. He has served the Lord, reigning and ruling in life and governing the people with great dignity and wisdom. And through all his faults and failings and frailty, he has been able to come back to God with a right heart on those key times and still say the prayer we pray create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. His life was imperfect, but his God was perfect. Amen. And the perfection of God would be established in him. And as you look in close, you see he's now aged. He bears the scars of battles past. One day I said to my wife Miriam, I said, Miriam, I feel I am carrying many years of warfare, the result of warfare and battle and spiritual pressure in my life at times. (laughs) And Miriam is my great source of encouragement. When I go home, I tell her everything. And she's amazing. Because she wraps her arms around me, kisses me on my bald head and says what an amazing husband you are (laughs) and as you're looking close you could see that on the very face of David but there's other things that have happened to David suddenly his spiritual perception is such that he's aware of events that will take place before they even happen he's spiritually in tune now the presence of God and the power of God and the moving and the stirring of God in his heart have brought him to a point where he's aware of what will be before it happens And as you look in close, you're, you're seeing now an image of a man comes to the side. The king is on the veranda, his beautiful suite. He's overlooking the grounds of his palace. Oh, he's well established in the castle. And in comes a servant, Joab. Your Honor, can I approach you, Your Honor? I I, I need to say something to you, O king. I know, says the king. What do you mean you know, sir? Your Honor, I need to explain something about, I know. How do you know? It's, um, I know, it's Absalom. Absalom, your son, Absalom. Yes, I know. David was confronted with the possibility that even within his own family, there is a potential soul. Absalom is one of his boys. And at the age of 30, Absalom begins to see himself as a future king. And so he starts to operate in a wrong spirit. And this is what he does. When the people come to bring a complaint to King David, he is there. And he listens. And the Bible says he would kiss their hand. He would kiss their hand and tell them what they want to hear. Oh, he'd say, I agree with your complaint. I agree. You know, if I was king, this is how I would do it. If only I was king, this is how I would do it. Would you like to turn to your neighbor and say, if you were king, how would you do it? (laughs) I'm here to tell you, if that's what you want, you can have it. Because God's given you a free will. It's about choices, decisions, reactions, and responses. How I'm operating in my heart, my mind, and my nature, and my character. Am I seeking my own kingdom, or am I seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? That's real. That's real. So, Absalom, it says, stole the hearts. Of the people i've seen that happen before even in a church i pastor i've seen it happen before what do you do with that what, what do you do with that as a leader i'll tell you you do nothing you do nothing you let god be god you don't try to defend yourself Oh, you dodge the odd spear. But you don't have to. You see, the church is the Lord's. It's his body. He knows what he's doing. And sometimes people need to be exposed for who they are and what they are. And I learned the hard way. And so David, even within his own house, recognizes there is a soul. At the age of 30, Absalom declares himself to be king, very purposefully, very intentional. And Joab says, Joab, David, come on. Let's take him out. Take him out. And David says, do nothing. Do nothing. Don't do anything. God, will handle this. Because you see, God already knew who he would bring to the throne after David. He was his other boy. What's his name? Solomon. David was a man of war. Solomon, a man of peace. And if you take the time to read these passages of Scripture, Paul, you just have to bring them on the screen because I'm just flying out of my heart right now. If you take the time to read these passages of Scripture, you will find that the references, although referring to Solomon, really speak of Jesus, the one who would come in wisdom and peace. And he would build a house that would last forever. Wow, how amazing the story that we have looked at. How fascinating how God has brought the replacement into being. But through it, David's heart would have been broken. He was his boy. It cost Absalom his life. Are you a Saul or an Absalom? Well, I thank God tonight that if we proclaim Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the throne of our hearts, I tell you, Saul will be dealt with. Absalom will be dealt with. And Jesus will be exalted in our hearts and in our lives david in the latter days saw the right man come to the throne in your life i pray the right man will come to the throne for only he will deliver you your journey may involve you living in a cave for a while I'm not talking about a literal cave but going through whatever God has to take you through to bring you to the place in your heart where he needs you to be the promise of God is that we will reign and rule in life with him what is happening now Is simply preparation for all that God will bring towards you and for you in your future not only in this life but also in eternity I pray that these messages will grip your heart and that through us having watched this theater production God will speak so deeply in your heart And even tonight, you will realize the most important thing you could ever do is to ask God to deal with the soul and allow the David, the King of Kings, to arise and reign in your life for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.